Welcome to Ronnie Phillips Podcast. This message is made possible by the partners of Abba's House Media. Help us continue to share this message around the world about how to live free and fully alive. Visit abbashouse.com slash partner to learn more. And before you leave, be sure and subscribe to Pastor Ronnie's YouTube channel. Now, here's Pastor Ronnie Phillips. I'm going to get into the Word tonight. Because for some people, they lack intimacy and they have difficulty entering into a moment of intimacy with God because they have a root of bitterness. They have things that have happened to them in their past, people that have hurt them, people that have rejected them, unfair situations, and they've held on to that bitterness and unforgiveness so long that it's affected their health and it's poisoned them from the inside out. Unforgiveness is a real problem in the Christian church and it's a real problem in the kingdom of God. We all struggle with it. We all are tempted to hold on to bitterness. You can be right and be wrong. You can be right and be wrong. I thought it was powerful, Brian's testimony for the offering. Because I remember that season. And I've seen God bless Brian for taking the high road. And choosing the path of intimacy and forgiveness instead of the path of bitterness and anger and resentment. And what you must understand is when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you're letting them off the hook. It means you're putting them on God's hook. It doesn't mean that you agree with what they did to you. That you can even understand what they did to you. It just simply means that you are making a conscious choice to live free and fully alive, which is our rally cry. If you're going to live free and fully alive, you've got to let go of unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. And that's what the message tonight is all about. What does the word forgiveness mean? It means to forgive. How do we do that? The definition is to treat as though the offense was not committed. To treat as though the offense was never committed. To make a commitment not to hold on to bitterness, malice, or resentment. To be kind to the offender. Nobody's amening me tonight. To be kind to the offender even when you don't want to. In the Greek, it's aphaimi, and it means to erase a debt. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Isn't that what the word redemption means in the Greek, to be bought with a price, that our ransom's been paid, that because of the blood of Jesus, we don't have to live under condemnation, guilt, or religion? We've been set free by the blood of Jesus. So why is it so hard to erase other people's debts when ours has been paid? The Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. The Bible says in Galatians, stand fast in the liberty that is ours in Christ Jesus. Why do we have such difficulty walking this freedom out? It's because we've held on to our flesh and our emotions so long that we've not allowed the Holy Spirit to transform us into the kind of people God has called us to be. When you hold on to those 
feelings of anger, bitterness, malice, resentment, all you're doing is robbing God of an opportunity to bless you. It means, as we say in my generation, you're in your feelings. You're in your feelings. You've allowed your feelings to control you. And when you allow your feelings and your flesh to control you, you give God no room to operate. Because it's when you let go of those things and you ask the Spirit to take control of your life and to do a work in you, then you can forgive that person that hurt you. You can forgive that person that did horrible things to you. God will give you the strength to do it. But it means to, in the Greek, erase a debt. But I'd never heard the second part, to leave something or someone alone. To leave, to desert or abandon or even to divorce. So when I, I studied this, I started preparing this message a long time ago. This is kind of one of my just up at night, going through some teaching, praying through. Obviously, this isn't the seven churches of Revelation or a series I would do on Sunday morning, but it's a teaching that's near and dear to my heart because it's something I've struggled with for many years and that I still fight on a daily basis. And so the Lord kind of put all of these things together. But when I read that it means to leave something or someone that challenged my theology a little bit because I'd always heard it preached, you know, if you forgive someone, you ought to pray for them to be blessed. You ought to love them. And if you don't love them, you haven't really forgiven them. And I always had a problem with that. It sounded too churchy to me. I have a tendency to investigate churchy-sounding doctrine. Because churchy sounding doctrine has messed up more people over the years than, a, than God can mess them up in a positive way. And so I started to investigate what exactly does it mean to forgive? And we're going to try to define that for you tonight. But our text is Romans chapter 16. And we've preached through this entire epistle before, but I want to focus on these three verses tonight. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive People, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you. Paul speaking to the church there. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ must be with you. There comes a time when you must walk away from people who continually hurt you. There comes a time where you must walk away from people that continually hurt you. It is unhealthy to stay in a relationship or even in employment with someone that continually hurts you or makes you feel in such a way where you are conflicted, 
you are smothered, you have no room for growth, no room for potential. God doesn't want you to live like that. God doesn't want you to live as a victim. He wants you to live as a victor. The Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So sometimes, and I haven't always lived this, and that's why I'm telling you this is a late night teaching of some God time. Sometimes you must walk away from people that continually hurt you or hinder you from that which God has called you to do and be. My friend Clay Simmons is here tonight. I picked on him on Facebook. I plan to do that more often since I got him here tonight. He usually just comes and hears Ken teach and not me, and I'm supposed to be like a son to him. It's okay, y'all can laugh. Loosen up, okay? Pick on Clay before you leave. Give him a hard time. Eddie, I'll make sure you pick on him. All right, we're good. But Clay, will, if you ask Clay, and he's not picking on me, he would tell you that time and time again, for most of my life, he has told me, you care too much. When I call and I gripe about relationships, particularly ones from my past, of people that have hurt me, that have used me, that haven't been there for me like I've been there for him, Clay has told me time and time again, you care too much, Ronnie. You've got to move on with your life. He has given me that advice. But because of my heart, I have oftentimes wanted to go back and give wrong relationships another chance because I am a grace preacher and I am a grace teacher, but I want to confess to you tonight that your strength is your weakness. If your strength is people, people will be your weakness. If your strength is grace, your grace will lead you down a road that will cause you to stumble. If your strength is discernment, that gift can transition into judgmentalism. Your strength can become your greatest weakness without the Holy Spirit in and on your life. And so there comes a time when you must walk away. God gives us permission in his word to walk away. Contrary to popular opinion, you can forgive people without sticking around to take their abuse. The Bible says, be not yoked together with unbelievers. I see people all the time come in for relationship advice and they feel like if they marry this handsome guy that's not saved, that's an agnostic or an atheist, that somehow their loving and their smooching is going to get him saved. <laughs> and the reality is that's just not statistically in their favor for that to happen. Now, I've seen God do things. I mean, listen... He, he, he got a virgin pregnant. He raised people from the dead. He, he, he parted the Red Sea. He turned water into wine. But most of the time, if you are unequally yoked with an unbeliever, it's going to drag you down, not build you up. You can't be in relationship evangelism. Better to see them saved before you marry them. Amen? Divisive people, Paul mentions in this text. He mentions the word divisiveness. Divisiveness and evil are always a threat to your personal destiny and to a move of God. The enemy loves to divide. Even the strongest believers can become corrupt 
and divisive. He mentions divisive people, people that divide. Listen, if the devil can't stop it, he will divide it. That's why we have denominationalism. That's why we have segregation. If the devil can't stop it, he'll divide it. No, there is no greater threat to the kingdom of darkness than a unified church. There's no greater threat to the kingdom of darkness than a unified church that's not divided racially, politically, that holds to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Bible and charges ahead, believing for the best, standing in awe of who God is and holding fast to His promises that He's coming back for us, that He'll never leave us or forsake us that will strengthen us in our time of weakness. Divisive people, you got to walk away from them. You forgive them and walk away. Doctrinal people, they set doctrinal obstacles in front of people. If the enemy can't divide you, he'll, he'll, he'll use the Bible or doctrine to try to keep you from becoming one. Even Satan, when he tempted Jesus, he quoted scripture to tempt him. The devil knows the Bible too. The reality is you can take a verse out of context and make it do just about anything you want it to do. If you don't know what the word of God means and in the context in which it was written. Obstacles, the Greek word there mentioned in this text is scandalia. It means we get our word scandal from it. This is to put a stumbling block in the way, to cause someone to fall. Scandalous. And, and that's what I see when people want to argue over silly matters. Tattoos, who cares? A woman who wants to risk her life to be a minister to men and women in uniform, some religion want to argue over that. That's stupid. That's a matter that's not even worth addressing biblically. Then deceptive people. It says they use flattery of speech and smooth speech to, the, to our ears. How many of you have been in relationships where you feel like you're the, you're the only one in the relationship doing all the work? I mean, if, it's your, if you need help moving... They, your friends know where to be found, but they need help moving. They're calling you. Hey, where are you at? They always forget their wallet when it's time to buy lunch. I mean, you're the one that's always there. When, when they need a shoulder to cry on, you're, here's your shoulder. But when you need a shoulder to cry on, they're too busy. These are the wrong kinds of relationships. These kinds of relationships will keep you from being all that God's called you to be. Most people will take advantage of you. That's just the reality of life. Most people, you were a pawn in their game. But there are a few people that you are not that too. The key is to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Trusting him to bring things to completion and to maturity. And I promise you he will. You don't have to have it all figured out. Let me clear up a few misunderstandings about forgiveness, if I may. Before you can grow, you've got to prepare the ground 
till the ground and you've got to sow into it. So we need to remove these erroneous thoughts about forgiveness. So let's talk through forgiveness a little bit in this teaching. Matthew 18, this verse is quoted a million times. And Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And you heard that, so forth and so on. Basically what this is saying is infinity plus infinity if you get down to it. Matthew 6, verse 14. For, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We quote this all the time. When you forgive a person, this does not mean you are immediately healed. When you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you're immediately healed from what they did to you. When you forgive a person, this does not mean you're going to be their best friend tomorrow. Now, ultimately, 2 Corinthians tells us that we are to be ministers of reconciliation. How many of you know that? 2 Corinthians 5. That God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So as a Christian, the ultimate goal is for us to be reconciled and restored. If you truly know Jesus, that should always be your goal. However, this doesn't happen overnight. When we forgive a person, this does not mean we surrender the right to justice when appropriate. For instance, if someone robs my house, I'll forgive them, but I still want them to go to jail. Amen? I mean, if someone uh, abuses your child, you have to forgive them, but you still want them to go to jail. There's nothing unbiblical about that. When we forgive a person, we are not avoiding pain. We're opening the door to healing from Jehovah Rophe. So when you forgive, it starts that healing process in your spirit that we all so desperately need. When we forgive, we start a journey with God. It's a long journey for some of us. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm jealous sometimes of people that can forgive instantly and move on. I tell you, I think I have some Italian in me somewhere. I have a little mafia about me, okay? I'll smile at you and get you later, okay? <laughs> two of my best friends growing up were Italian, so I know a little thing or two about that. I got a little mafia about me that God's taken from me over the years and made me more compassionate. But I, I, I tell you, my wife, I'm jealous of her because honest to God, Kelly and I went through some difficult times, and uh, it's her testimony to share, and when she's ready, she'll share it. And she has in other places, but she won't hear probably till my boys are grown, but it's, it's powerful, more powerful than mine. And there were some things that happened during our courtship that I stayed mad about really up until last year. I'm talking almost 20 years. Nothing to do with her. And God supernaturally finally took that last splinter out this last year or two from me. But I would be mad at Kelly because she didn't hold no grudges, man. I mean it. Not only that, she doesn't even remember these things that happened. Like I could write a whole novel about all the wrong that was done. And, I, and now she doesn't even remember stuff. I'm like, you don't remember that? And she told me one time, she said, Ronnie, when I went through the seven steps 20 years ago, I really did forgive those people. I really, do, I really did forgive them. Why don't you try it sometime, you know? And it got me. 
And I tell you, it, it's powerful, though. God will take it from your memory. He really will. I'll prove it to you before we get out of here tonight. God will even, at the end of your journey of forgiveness, God will remove negative things from your memory, not because it's a source of pain for you, but because he wants to completely heal you where you won't even remember the hurt. It's powerful. We must focus on being reconciled first to God and next to people. I've said many times that restoration begins vertically and then the next phase is horizontal restoration. So if you have bitterness and hurt in your life, you first look to God, then you look to man. You've got to be restored to the Father first before you can fix your marriage, your friendships, your work relationships. It all starts here. Once this is settled and reconciled, then other areas of your life will be reconciled. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may, there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So the first thing I see here is God gives us permission to walk away, number one. He gives us permission to walk away. The enemy will try to make you feel guilty from walking away from these divisive, deceptive, and doctrinal people that try to keep you in bondage. Don't. There's no greater YouTube clip in the world than the clip from Bishop T.D. Jakes from like 30 years ago, Let Them Walk. I can't tell you how often I YouTube that clip from Bishop T.D. Jakes. When he was in his prime, he had the Jerry Curl, man. I mean, I love Bishop Jakes. I love his preaching. And there's a clip called Let Them Walk, and I can almost quote it because I've listened to it so many times. But basically in that clip, he says, if people can walk away from you, let them walk. Let them walk. And then he talks about the gift of goodbye. He says, I've got the gift of goodbye. It's powerful. Only he could do it like that. The anointing was on him. But I'm telling you, you'll see pastors post that. And when they post that thing on social media, you know they're hurting. You know they're hurting when they post that. You know, they've been stabbed again. And pastors go through that. I had a mentor tell me a long time ago, Brian, he said, if you're going to do this, you better be tough-skinned. Boy, I didn't know what that meant, but I do now. You better have some tough skin on your back. But God gives us permission to walk away. He says, watch out for those who cause division. Put obstacles in your way. These doctrinal people that's contrary to the teaching you've learned and that you know in your heart, keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but in their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive, they're deceptive. It says to avoid. There are two Greek words for avoid. And this means you avoid them by taking deliberate or decisive action. So it's not enough just to try not to rub shoulders with them. You've got to take deliberate action to break that soul tie. What's a soul tie? It's the wrong kind of covenant with an individual that's controlled by demons or that's of this world. And you have to take decisive action to break that soul tie 
and get away from those kinds of people. I'm preaching to somebody tonight that needs this. Because some of you are in relationships with people that are doing you no good. You've tried, you've prayed, you've, you've given money, you've helped them. You've helped them time and time again and they continue to take advantage of you. They continue to stab you. And no, I'm not telling you it's okay not to love them. You must love them. You must forgive them. But you must walk away and let God be God. You are not God. And you are hindering your potential and hurting your potential because you're in the wrong kind of covenant. You've got to break that soul tie. And you've got to move forward. With God. Not only does God give us permission to walk away, He tells us the people to willfully avoid. Again, doctrinal, deceptive, divisive people. Bad company, the Bible says, corrupts good character. Proverbs 23, verse 9 says, Do not speak to a fool. Come on. Everybody say fool. Listen, most of you are arguing with people who are foolish on Facebook. Nobody ever woke up and said, you know, that political post changed the person I was going to vote for. <laughs> Nobody ever woke up and said, you know, I, I, that changed my opinion. Don't speak to a fool, for he will scorn the wisdom of your words. When you argue with the fool, you just bring yourself on their level. My daddy used to say you can't fix stupid. And you can't do nothing with a dummy is what he used to say. And as he get older, he's changed that a little bit. But I ain't going to throw him under the bus tonight, okay? He's getting like my grandmother. He's starting to cuss a little bit in his older age, you know. But he always said you can't do nothing with a dummy, you know. Kelly won't let me say that, but she's not here tonight. So I can be mean like dad a little bit. She won't pull me back in, you know. But I call these kinds of people soulmates, cellmates, and teammates. It's in the book I gave you. Soulmates, two or three in one lifetime, you're a lucky person. These are the people that God's placed in your life. They're into you. They're for you. They love you. I have a few of those in my life. These kinds of people, I can strip naked, quit, run out. They still be my friend. I can go to jail tomorrow. They'd bail me out. They'd still tell me I had a call to preach on my life. They love me no matter what I do. I got a few of those. But those are few and far between. Then you have teammates. And these are the people that God puts in your life for a season. They're not to be there forever. God's put them there for a season. They're good people. They're for what you're for. They're for the season that you are in, they're going to help you get to where you were supposed to get to. You're going to help them become more than they ever could have been. But when the season is over, it's over. They're going to join a new team, venture on into another purpose. They're done. The season ends. Then there's cellmates, which I've preached on here many times. These are people who aren't really for what you're for. They're against what you're against, and they're only happy if you stay in the prison cell that they are in with them. If it's addiction, they're your best friend if you're addicted with them. If it's anger, they're your best friend if you stay angry with them. If it's gossip, if you'll gossip with them, they're good with it. If, if, if you're into control and negativity, as long as you stay in that prison cell of control and negativity with them, they're good with you. 
But the moment you try to break out of that jail cell and walk in the freedom that is yours in Christ Jesus, the cellmates will have nothing to do with you because they're controlled by demons and they're only being covenant with you if you choose bondage and prison along with them. And at some point, whether you got to get a song in the night and sing your way out of the jail, break out of the jail, do your time, whatever it is, you got to get free and move on from these kinds of people. Philippians 3 verse 18 says, For as I have often told you before, and now I say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. So if you choose to be in covenant with enemies of the things that God's trying to do, this is the end game for you. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship, we belong to another dimension, another world. We're not from here. We're ambassadors. Our citizenship, our passport doesn't say the United States of America on it. It says glory. We belong to another dimension, another world where the streets are paved with gold, where there's no more sorrow and no more tears, no more pain and no more cancer, no more destruction, no more demonic activity. We belong to another world. And Jesus Christ paid the price, not only that we might live free of these divisive and demonic people on earth, but so that we may have life and have it more abundant and eternity in heaven. That's who Jesus is. I'm telling you. God wants to get you free tonight. And I close with the promise for those who walk in obedience. Number three. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. God's saying, if you'll choose intimacy with me, I'm going to give you wisdom about what is good and wisdom about what is evil. I'm going to show you things that, I'm, that everybody else can't see. I'm going to give you revelation. Revelation is not new truth. Prophetic people, listen to me. You too, Missy, you need this. I'm just messing with you. Revelation is not new truth. Truth is truth. It's just new truth to you. It's truth you've never seen before that has been revealed to you. That's what revelation is. Truth never changes. It's just revealed because you never saw it that way before. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his truth remains. So you don't have to strain to find something new. You just have to get in intimacy with God, and he'll reveal things to you in the secret place. He'll tell you who to hang with, who to walk away from, because of his love, he cares for you. And he promises us three things that I don't really have time to dive into tonight, but he promises us three things for those who walk in obedience and for those who walk away from those that they've forgiven. First, victory over the world. Galatians chapter 3. He's promised us victory over the world. That's what it says. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
That's what it says in our text. You go on and read Galatians 5 when you get home. Victory over the world. That means when you get tempted, you can walk through it. It means when you get hurt, you get abused, you get abandoned, you get mistreated, you can walk through it. Why? Because you got the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. you got the power of God. You've had intimacy with him. You've, you've got the whole armor of God. You can walk in victory over the world. You don't have to fall every time the devil walks by in fear. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Victory over the world. Victory. Come on, give God a praise. Victory within the war. Victory within the war. Let me tell you, it's like I told you Sunday. If you don't want the devil to attack you, don't get in the fight. If you don't want to get fatigued, don't, don't run in the race. Don't live for Jesus. Don't share your faith. Don't come to church. Don't covenant with other believers. Don't read your Bible. Don't do any of it. If you don't want the devil to come after you, because the moment you surrender to God's call in your life, he's after you. But he, he's powerless against you because of the blood of Jesus. You just got to tap into that, which Jesus has already done, and you'll walk in freedom. That's what God's called us to. This is what the Bible says. If you bite and devour one another, watch out for you'll be destroyed by one another in Galatians. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill or gratify the lust of the flesh. That means if you walk in your flesh, in your feelings, you're going to get offended. You're going to get hurt. You'll become emotional. You'll carry offenses. You'll hold on to bitterness if you live in your feelings. There's nothing godly about your feelings. Nothing godly about our feelings. I have them, you have them. I get my feelings hurt, you get your feelings hurt. There's nothing spiritual about your feelings. You got to walk in the Spirit, is what it says. The only way you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, hold on to the bitterness, hate people, react wrong, judge people, is if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Don't get caught up in the nonsense. There's victory not only over the world, but within the war. You're in a war right now, but you've won the war. It goes on to talk about different things, but it gets into the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we need. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Listen, the Bible says, I'll know you by your fruit. You got any fruit on your tree? Or is it all rotten because of the bitterness that's inside of you? I'm challenging you tonight to forgive those that have hurt you. I'm challenging you tonight to let go of some past hurt. I'm challenging some of you to forgive God. It's funny, I've got Brian here tonight. He's, he's Mr. Warfare. He's probably taking some of you through warfare. But there's a, there's a part of deliverance that you go through where you have to make a list of all the people that have hurt you or that have treated you unfairly. How many of you ever had to do this? few of you. And then they get to the point where you have to forgive God. And the first time I went through that years ago, I thought, man. But I realized, you know, sometimes we, maybe our child died of cancer. Maybe something unfair happened to us. And maybe we don't even know it. Maybe it's, it's subconscious, but we, we, we're mad at God. Some of you need to forgive God. He knows what's in your heart. You need to let it go tonight. 
Some of you need to call that friend, that family member, that parent that's still alive, and you need to say, you know what? Let's go have coffee. And you need to make it right with them. And I believe if we'll learn to have victory over the world and we'll walk in victory in the midst of the war, we'll have victory in the church. Because revival starts with us as individuals, doesn't it? It's not the pastor. It's not the staff. Yeah, that plays a part in the head and the leadership. All of those things matter. But I'm going to tell you, revival starts with you. You getting free. You recommitting yourself to the things of God. You becoming passionate about sharing your faith, loving people in the struggle. You forgiving those people that have hurt you. You got to forgive them. Doesn't mean you don't walk away. I tell you, I walked away from a lot of people. And God sent me some extraordinary soulmates to replace people I walked away from. I wouldn't trade my friends I've got today for the ones I had 25 years ago. I'm just being real. God's been good to me. and He'll be good to you. He's no respecter of persons. But you got to forgive. you got to take deliberate and decisive action. And you got to move ahead in the things of God. Everybody stand on your feet. We're going to do some warfare tonight. I want you just to close your eyes and raise your hands up if you're able to tonight. Brian, you come back here. We're going to worship him out of here. I just feel the anointing in here. Some of you are holding on to bitterness. You were abused. You are abandoned. You are hurt. Maybe you were screamed at on your way here. Maybe you're having marriage problems. I don't need to know. You don't have to confess to me. But you need to confess to God. Whatever you're going through right now, I want you to give it to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him with it. Begin to ask him to take the burden from you. Now, some of you have held on to bitterness. So whoever's hurt you, abandoned you, pushed you away, mistreated you, I want you to forgive them right now. Just say, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, I forgive. Now, I don't need you to say their names out loud because it may be someone sitting next to you or in this room. But say, Lord, I forgive. And whoever it is, you don't even have to say it out loud. It's in your heart, in your spirit. And, and it's probably more than one. We're going to wait right here. And whoever it is, I want you to confess those names to God right here in this moment. If you're listening by podcast or you're watching on the internet, this is going longer than it normally does, but I feel the Holy Spirit, and I believe we need to do deliverance. If you're watching this, I want you to pray wherever you are, and I want you to ask God to take this burden from you, and I want you to forgive by name those people that have hurt you. But I want you to take it a step further. I don't want you just to forgive them by mentioning their name. I want you to say, I forgive whoever it is. And then I want you to say, I forgive them for whatever they did to you. Confess it in your heart. Whatever they did to you. Whatever they did to you. Go ahead and give that to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Now, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, manifest yourself inside of me so that I can live free and fully alive. Lord, give me the ability to walk with you and believe and believe that your word is true, that your plan for me is good, that no weapon formed against me can prosper. And in my future, through with me yet. 
Bible says turns our mourning into dancing. So before we leave tonight, I want you, you can shout, you can dance, you can worship, you can cry, you can pray. Whatever you want to do, give God a strong hand clap of praise right now and a shout of deliverance. Why don't we worship just a few more minutes? I'm not going to tell you goodbye. Worship for a few minutes with us. Leave if you need to get your kids. But I believe some of you just need to worship. Let that morning be turned into dancing. Give God a praise in song just for a minute. Worship with us. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor Ronnie's message. Connect with us at abbashouse.com or ronniephillips.org. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If it has, please subscribe to our podcast. You can invest in helping others live free and fully alive by giving at abbashouse.com slash give. Thanks for listening.